Well, guys, it's the, it's tis the season, right? It's it's Christmas time is upon us. It's you know the the weather outside is frightful, right? Just like the song says, it's freezing cold outside. You know, there's trees up all over Bushwick apartments, right? All over Bushwick. Yesterday, you know, we had to go to the pharmacy. The kids are a little sick and stuff, so we went to go, you know, stock up on our not our Christmas gifts, but on, on the Christmas drugs, you know, when you get sick, you got to buy all this medicine. So we went to, we went to the pharmacy and, and while we we're driving around, I would just tell the kids, oh, look, look to the right, look, 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 you know, because there's one house like out of 20 and they're all decorated with lights and everything. Oh, guys, look to the left, look to the left. You know, there's a windowsill up in the project, you know, they decorate it, you know, with a snowflake or whatever. So we just, we just had a lot of fun driving around and, and looking at the few houses that decorated, you know, but, but it, it shows you, right? It's Christmas time. Some of you guys that are here, you've already blown through your Christmas list, right? You, you, like, you were ready right after Halloween, right? You already blew past, you know, your Christmas list. Others of you, you're a little bit more like me, and it's not quite the 24th just yet, right? So you, you got some time, you know, before you can pick up what you got to pick up. But, you know, Christmas time in New York City is special. You know, people travel, it's weird. The more I get to know people from, like, other states... It's amazing that they travel to New York City to experience Christmas here. It's crazy, right? Like we want to go to like where there's palm trees and it's warmer. But, you know, people from other states come up here. It's it's so weird. But there is something very nostalgic about Christmas in New York City. You guys have the the Rockefeller tree, right? Everybody goes. Thousands of people pass by during the season to check it out. I like to go just so that I can look over and watch all the people fall down. You know, they fall flat on their bottoms while they're ice skating. I especially like it when there's that guy, you know, he's showing off. He's trying to show off to that girlfriend, right? I love it when he falls, right? Because he, he, he had it coming. But, and then, uh, and how about the shops at Macy's, the windows, right? You guys go and they have all these displays. They actually make lines just to watch the displays. And it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And for me, it's a sure tell sign that it's Christmas now, this is how you know in, in Bushwick and it's time for Christmas is when the eggnog and the coquito comes out, right? That's how you know it's Christmas time in Bushwick. The coquito comes out. I love coquito, the coconut and all that and, and some of my favorite Christmas drinks. You know, but another thing that many enjoy about Christmas, of course, is getting together with family and friends. And this is something I'm sure everybody here is going to do. You're going to get together with your family and friends. Think about those meals that you're going to share around the dinner table. Think about that penil. Think about the jamon. And think about the rice and the gandulas and all that stuff that you're going to eat. You know, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing, on and on. And, and, and everybody here, we're going to share time with family and friends and people that we care about. But you know what's interesting is that the holidays has a way of elevating emotions, doesn't it? It brings out emotions. There's there's a heightened sense, especially around this time. It can either bring the best of us, bring out the best of us, or it can bring out, you know, sometimes the worst. You you might feel especially excited or joyful. You know, you might have a spring in your step during Christmas time because oh Christmas time is here and all the decorations and all of a sudden, you know, you know, you're just very happy and very joyful. You know, for others of us, you know, we may feel melancholic or even sad or depressed. It was interesting. I was handing out flyers and invite cards for this Christmas Eve service yesterday. And, uh, and, and a lot of people were like, they, they saw the candy cane. And I was telling them Merry Christmas and giving them a smile. You know, it's freezing cold. And they were like, oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. Merry Christmas to you too. But every so often, a Grinch would come off the train. You know, and they just didn't want to, you know, they gave you the scowls and, no, no way, don't give me this. One person actually passed by and said, no, 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 I don't celebrate. I don't celebrate Christmas. And uh, she didn't want to take the flyer. And it's interesting because it seems to elevate, Christmas time seems to elevate some of those emotions. 
You know, it might be kind of like that classic movie. You guys have all seen it, right? It's a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? We, we can either be more like Charlie Brown or we can be a little bit more like Linus, you know, during Christmas time. Charlie Brown is walking around town in the beginning of the movie. He's all depressed during Christmas time. But Linus sees things differently. And he says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know that can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. All right? So we, we, can, we, can, we can kind of have the reaction of one or the other. You know, but the truth is that a season like Christmas can draw both the best and the worst of sentiments. And today we're beginning a, a brand new series that's going to take us straight through Christmas Eve. By the way, I'm super excited about Christmas Eve. It's Saturday, December 24th. It's going to be right here. And, uh, and we're going to have a great time. We're going to be singing Christmas carols, much like the ones that we sang earlier. And we're going to be wrapping up this series here. And so it's going to be a great time to invite people. We're going to have a dessert buffet. It's going to be all different types of desserts and cakes and donuts. And we're going to have hot chocolate and coffee. And we're just going to party it up because we're celebrating, you know, that God became a man and came in this time. It's the time that we take to remember that. And so, you know, you, we're having it at 7 p.m. So you guys can have dinner with your family. You can cut up that jamon and cut, cut up that pernil. And then you can come and join us. And we're going to have dessert for you, all right, when you come here. So it's happening at 7 p.m. Christmas Eve right here. Invite those people that you know, your neighbors, your loved ones, and have them come in. And, uh, and we're going to have tons of desserts and coffees. But the series that we're in is called Ghosts of Christmas Past. And it's because, you know, these, these things from our past tend to have a way to pop up on us, don't they? They have, they have this, there's these things in our past, there's these things that have happened to us, they have this tendency to haunt us and come and bother us. Now, I'm not talking about poltergeist, okay, or sixth sense, or exorcist, it's probably what you're thinking about, but that's not what I'm saying, you know, I'm talking about that type of way, but things that tend to, re, that tend to recur, that prevent us from experiencing the best that God would have for us. So I'm inviting all of us to be Ghostbusters today. You guys ever seen that, that movie, Ghostbusters? Right? They walk around with that contraption. You know, they're trying to bust ghosts. They're trying to capture them. You know, uh, you know likewise, you know, we, we want to catch these ghosts that keep us from living out God's best. Now, again, I'm not talking about Casper the Friendly Ghost. I'm just talking about these things from our past that tend to come back up into our minds and our hearts and, and reminds us. You know, for example, do you guys know someone who gets offended easily? Do you know somebody who gets offended easily? You tell them something, man, that person gets offended right away, right? Or better yet, are you someone who gets offended easily? You know, maybe that's a better question, you know, when, uh, you know, oh man, they didn't pick up my phone call, you know, or, you know, you just get offended so easily, um, you know, and it could be something that from as simple as, you know, holding the door for somebody and they don't say thank you when they go by, Right? Something as simple as that. Or when you're driving and there's tons of traffic and you see the poor guy at the stoplight. So, you, you know, you just stop and give the guy a chance. And then the guy doesn't even give you the, you know, the driver's wave. Like, thank you. You know, he don't even do that. How dare he? After I gave him a chance to, to get in front of me with all this traffic. You know, sometimes, you know, this, this can be, you know, the, the, from as simple as that. Getting offended as simple as that. Those are some, you know, examples of simple and smaller and even silly offenses. But what about more serious offenses? You know, what about those stories of betrayal? What, what about, you know, perhaps it was a big lie that was kept from you? You know, maybe you experienced an abuse or, or someone from someone that you really love or you really care for. You know, these are the kind of offenses that can destroy a Christmas dinner, right? 
These are the type of offenses that can destroy a Christmas dinner. You know, as everyone gathers around the Christmas table, there's an awkwardness. You know, when that uncle, that aunt, or that family member, or whatever, when that awkwardness comes in, when they come, because the offend, the offender and the offended are both in the same place, right? And it creates this tension in the room. And there's those offenses that cause families to divide and cause friendships to divide and relationships to break. You know, those are some more serious offenses. And chances are, if you're here today and you're breathing, you've probably experienced, you know, this very thing in your life. Christmas has a way of sometimes bringing these things back, you know, and bring them back up, you know, and it might have been something that happened years ago. It might have been an offense that happened a long time ago, but because, man, the family's getting together, or whatever, the nostalgia, or whatever, it brings back these offenses, and they come back to haunt you. It's those ghosts of Christmas past rearing their ugly heads once again. And my hope and my prayer, however, for this, you know, for us today, what we're talking about in the rest of the series is that for each and every single one of us today, that we, you know, we would not enter the season. And, and, and it's a season where you know, we celebrate the greatest gift given to mankind, the, the gift of Jesus, and, and where you'll be, you know, opening up carefully hand-wrapped Christmas presents, you know, while having a close heart. You know, wouldn't it be sad that you're opening up a, a, opening up a gift this Christmas, but you have a closed heart because of an, offend, an offense that happened to you. I hope that leading into this holiday season, we wouldn't celebrate the love of Christ while hating someone that's close to us because of how we were offended. How can we celebrate the love of Jesus, but yet hold the grudge in our heart and hate somebody else? You know, wouldn't it be sad to enjoy God's grace through Jesus Christ while not extending grace to someone else? Wouldn't it be sad? That we received all this grace from God through Jesus, but yet not extend any grace at all. Now, I understand that this is a touchy topic, you know, for many of us here. Some of you have been deeply hurt. But I pray that by God's grace, we would be able to look at the wisdom from God's word and help us expose, help us eliminate, help us cast out the ghost of unforgiveness, the ghost of bitterness, the ghost of offensiveness. I hope that we can get rid of it as we look into God's word. So, you know, I know, I know it's a touchy subject, and I know probably even so now as I'm talking about, there's something that comes like from the back of your mind towards the front, and you remember of, you know, these offenses and these things that's happened in your life, and you're living with unforgiveness and bitterness. But I pray that by God's grace, man, we'll be able to expose this ghost of Christmas past. So today as we talk about this very thing, I want to help you see why it's so important that we would be able to learn and let go of these offenses. Have you guys ever heard this quote here before? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness is like. It's a great way to kind of describe it for us. You know, this unforgiveness is like drinking poison. Like, man, you know, I, I don't want to forgive you. <laughs> man, I'm tired of you. I hope that you die. <laughs> and you're drinking down the poison yourself. And the person that you're truly hurting is yourself. And I think this is true, which is, which is why we need to discuss this, guys. And this is why we need to read God's Word to see how we can combat these things. How can we fight off these very things? In a lot of ways, unforgiveness is choosing to live offended. And, and choosing to live offended, it keeps us in a prison, in a very real prison. It keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus longs to give us through Him. 
So just to begin, here's something that I need you to understand. This is in your notes. You can fill in the blanks. The kind of the first big idea is this, that your life is too short and your calling is too big to live offended. Your life is too short and your calling is too big to live offended. You know, I think for many people, they don't have a biblical kind of view of their life, of their time here on earth. James says this. James, you know, he describes our time as a mist. And what's a mist? A mist is here, here is, is here and it's gone just as fast as it arrived, right? In the book of Psalms, our lives are described as a vapor. As a vapor. We're quite literally here today and we're gone tomorrow. And your life, guys, is way too short to live offended. And listen, our calling, our purpose is way too big to carry around an offense and unforgiveness. This, this call, we have a mission, a mission from God to share with our friends and our neighbors, the love of Jesus to those that are around us. Guys, that's a great mission that God has given to each and every single one of us. There's people that are far from God and their eternity is damned. Their eternity is damned. Those who live, they live with purpose and identity apart from Jesus Christ. There's people who have not encountered Jesus and our calling, not just as a church, your calling as an individual is, to, is way too big to just live our lives Offended. You're calling to share the love of Jesus, to share and show the love of Jesus to those that are around us. That's a big calling, guys. And our, our lives are way too short. Our calling is way too big to live our lives offended. So to set the, the tone for the rest of this message, I want to look at this short verse. It's from the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 11. You have it there in your notes. Why don't we read this verse nice and loud together? Let's read this verse. Ready? Go. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And it's interesting that the author uses the word overlook when talking about, you know, this offense. Now, I know what you're thinking. Is Danny just telling me to forgive and forget? Is that what Danny's just trying to tell me? You know, there's this big, huge offense, this big, huge abuse that's happened to me, this difficult time in my life, and it still keeps rearing its ugly head, and Danny's just telling me to let go and let God? Is that what Danny's telling me to do? Well, listen, overlooking an offense is not the same as never acknowledging that something happened. Overlooking an offense is not the same as acknowledging that offense never happened. You know, rather, it's a conscious decision to let it go. In fact, the word overlook is translated from two Hebrew words that means pass over. Pass over. It's not allowing the offense to drag you down. Instead, we're rising above the offense. We're rising above it in our pursuit, listen, of being more like Jesus Christ. In that, in that pursuit of trying to be more like Him, in that pursuit of trying to get closer to Jesus Christ and trying to mimic the Son of God and trying to be more like Him and live our lives in holiness and sanctification, it's passing over that offense. It's going over that offense. And what I'm hoping for all of us is that we would learn together, right? Because this is not like Danny's got it together and he's trying to, you know, preach from what he knows. This is really an option that I want us all to take together, a journey that I would love for all of us to take together so we can learn together how to get over this and not allow being easily offended to hold us back. You know, let me share with you guys, I'll be completely transparent. I'm going to share with you guys how I was totally offended and taken aback taken by some words very recently. You guys know how every year, if you drive, you got to get your car inspected. 
right? If you drive a car, it's like you dread it. You got to go. You got to give this guy $37 to inspect your car, you know, and, and, and if he says that your car doesn't pass, you still got to pay the money and you got to get the car fixed and you got to pay for it again, whatever. Anyway, so I went to get the car inspected and, and, and the, uh, the mechanic tells me, you need to get new wipers. And so I scratched my head. I said, what do you... Because I had just replaced, I had replaced one of the wipers recently. You know, I had replaced one of them. So I knew one of them was pretty much new, three or four weeks old uh, and max. So not super, not so, so, you know, the other one was, was pretty messed up. But there was one that was new. So, I, you know, I told him that I had re recently replaced the wiper, you know, the, at least the one on my side, on the driver's side, not the other one. He looks at me and he tells me, don't lie to me. That's what he tells me. He says, don't lie to me. It's hard for me to help you out if you lie to me. And I just stood perplexed and I really stood, you know, can you believe it? He called me a, he called me a liar. Listen, I could be labeled probably a million things. I, I don't think I can be labeled a liar. I try to live my life as honest as possible, you know, but to be labeled a liar, man, that really offended me. It really hurt me. And maybe for somebody else, they'll just brush it off or whatever, man. But it really stuck with me that he called me a liar and it really offended me. There was nothing that I could say, nothing I could do. I didn't have a receipt, you know, from when I bought the wiper or whatever. I just, there's nothing I could say or do to make them believe me. You know, I've been watching the show Gotham. I don't know if there's any Gotham viewers here. Gotham is basically, you know, long story short, it's, it's kind of the prequel to Batman. The Batman's growing up, right? And so if you guys know Batman, you know the villain Penguin, right? Penguin is like the biggest villain on Gotham. And he'll kill anybody, anytime. He don't care. And I was so offended that I said, I wish Penguin was here because he would have taken care of this guy <laughs> for me. He just put an umbrella through the guy's eye. You know, that's, that's just how, <laughs> how offended I really, really was, <laughs> you know. So let Penguin come here and blow this spot up. That's how offended I was. You know, so needless to say, guys, I need, obviously I need, a lot of, I need a lot of work in my life. I was doing the work in my life, you know, which, which is why I hope that together, together we can lean into God's word and learn to let it go. Now moving forward, we're going to address first how to deal with those smaller and lighter offenses, you know, because I, I think you guys know, right? There's, there's these kind of smaller offenses, but then there's these really big deals, right? There's these big offenses that we go through. So, you know, we're kind of going to bring them up, break them up into those two categories, you know, and uh, because some of us, the truth is we're holding on to some big offenses, you know, that perhaps we've been holding on to for many, many years. So here's number one in your notes, you can write it in. We are, we're getting over, okay? We're getting over being easily offended. We're getting over being easily offended. This, this is the verse that I want to read for you guys. It's from Ephesians chapter 4. Look what it says. It says, always be humble and gentle. Done. I got it, right? I'm so humble. I'm so gentle. All right? Be patient with each other. I was sarcastic, by the way, guys, in case you didn't tell. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, it was just reminded I was reading that. I think, uh, Barrios, you mentioned it last week that uh, relationships are messy, right? He mentioned that last week. How, how we love relationships, we love friends, we love family. But the mess that comes behind that, right? But this verse here says to be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. You know, I love that Paul writes this for us. He tells us to be patient with each other, right? To make an allowance 
for each other's faults. It's almost like he knew that relationships would be messy. Isn't that amazing that Paul knew that? I wonder how he figured that out. Did you ever think about that? How did he figure out that relationships would be messy? And that we're imperfect and that we would most undoubtedly sin against each other. Right? And that's what happens within relationships. And what happens, especially, you know, it's one thing if a stranger offends you or whatever, but, you know, when it's somebody who's really close to you, when it's a family member, when it's a friend, doesn't it hurt all the more than somebody close to you? You know, when it comes to others, we tend to judge them by their actions. But we want to be judged by our intentions, right? When it comes down to it, we want others to give us the benefit of the doubt, but we won't do the same, Right? You guys know. You guys know what I was trying to do. This is what. This is what I really wanted to do. That that was my. That wasn't my intent. But we judge other people by what they do, their actions, right? But we want. You know, we want to. We want the sympathy and the empathy. You know, what if we gave people the benefit of the doubt? What if we gave each other the benefit of the doubt? Because this this is not just about those people, right? This is kind of really a message about all of us and the relationships and friendships that we all have. You know, what if we gave each other the benefit of the doubt? Maybe they were having a bad day. You know, maybe they were distracted. You know, perhaps they had just received some bad news that, that had them very disturbed or distraught. What if we began to think like this? You know, when I was a child, I used to look out the windows. My dad drove in the car, and I used to look at all the people in the street walking by as we were driving. And I used to think to myself, I wonder where he's going. I wonder where she's going. I wonder where they came from. I wonder what problems they're facing. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what their family's like. And when I was a kid, I used to look at people and think like that. You know, what if, what if we kind of return to that childlike wonder? And we said, man, what if they were just going through a difficult time right now? You know, what if they were busy? You know, what if, you know, what if they were just distraught? They just, you know, what, what if we brought that childlike wonder when we saw people, especially those that may have offended us, and we asked, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what they're facing. Did you ever think that perhaps they may be hurt? You guys ever heard this? Hurt people, what? Hurt people. You guys ever think about that? Hurt people, hurt people. And maybe they're just going through some kind of hurt. So can we take this verse right here? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Can we take it at face value and lead with grace? Let's learn. We're not going to get this. It's like, this is not something that you're going to apply like super quick and you'll be 100% good at this. But let's learn to be patient with one another. Let's leave some slack realizing that we will, we will fault one another. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. We're going to, we're going to, uh, it's, it's just unavoidable that something like that's going to happen. We will let each other down. We will offend each other. Maybe not meaning to, maybe meaning to. But we will be patient, we will be humble, we will be gentle, as this verse implies. Why? Because according to this verse, what does it tell us? Look at, the, look at the end of the verse. It says, because of what? Love. Because of your love. It's because of love. Why can we overlook an offense? Why can we be humble and gentle? Why can we be patient with one another? The key is at the end right there. Because of your love. So instead of being offended by Let's have compassion for. Instead of being offended by, let's have compassion for. Here's number two. As we talk about, sorry about that. Some of these more bigger offenses. Number two, you have it there. I'm getting over the big offenses. I'm getting over the big offenses. I just want to pause for a second. Because I want to be, 
I want to be very understanding here, right? So we're talking about these little offenses, all right? All right, so the guy cuts you off in traffic, the person didn't hold the door for you, whatever, all right? Somebody called you, you know, a bad name. This may, these might be some smaller offenses. But, you know, I, I do want to be very understanding here because I know that you may be here and you may have experienced some very significant hurts. I, I understand that. You know, and I know that it's not easy in any way, in any sort of way, it's not it's just, it's not easy. It's not easy not only to get over the big offense, you know, but even thinking about it just makes you feel some kind of way, right? Like some of you guys, like, you were in a good mood, like singing Joy to the World, and you start talking about offenses, like, you just took away that Joy to the World I had, because you brought it to the, you brought it to the front of, right? Because it's like that. Let's be, let's be real, right? Because you just brought the offense back to the forefront of your mind, and, and because you may have experienced a significant hurt, you know, let's just be real about that. It makes you feel some type of way. And you may have experienced a massive betrayal. Perhaps you've experienced some sort of abuse, you know, verbal or physical. Maybe someone told you a significant lie or kept some truth from you. And I definitely want to acknowledge that you may have experienced some significant hurt. That is very true. And there's two ways that we tend to respond. The first way is the way that many, many people respond, and that's to rehearse. They rehearse the offense. And that's when you constantly bring it up, and that's constantly when you talk about it. It's always in your conversations. It's all you tweet about it, you put it on Facebook, you write up, you blog about it. You know, you you just talk about it with everybody that's around you. You have phone conversations, and you rehearse the offense over and over and over. You think about it every day. You rehearse it, and it feeds. When when that happens, it feeds the bitterness and it feeds the anger. Right? It drives the hurt deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because you're just rehearsing it over and over again. The other way to respond is with God's help is to begin to release. It's to begin to not rehearse but to release the offense. And this is not something that happens in an instant but slowly over time. Instead of holding on and reminiscing and constantly chewing on, on the hurt, you know, we are with God's help we're learning to let go. We're learning to let it go. It's choosing this is how we do it. It's choosing to spend time in prayer. It's choosing to spend time in prayer with God over this offense and asking God for healing. God, heal this hurt. God, take it away from me. God, help me. To not allow praying, asking God and, and praying and not allowing bitterness to take root. It's spending time in God's word. It's spending time in God's word and with, with God's people and, and spending time and, and seeking God together. And as you do this, the Holy Spirit miraculously begins to do work in us. In fact, look at what Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says. You have it there in your notes. It says, here, here it goes again. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must what? Forgive Others, you must forgive others. So how do we forgive something so big? But Danny, what they did to me was so big. The offense was so huge. How can I ever do this? How do we forgive something so big? How do we forgive something unforgivable? We forgive the way the Lord forgave us. And guys, as I was preparing this message, I don't know about you, especially when I came across this part, I just began to think about all the sin, the accumulation of sin, you know, in a, in a span of, of, of 31 years, you know, on this, on this earth. But just think about the accumulation of sin and, and how much I've let God down and how much I don't reach God's standard and His holiness. So I don't know about you guys, but I've been, I sure have been forgiven of a lot. 
I sure have been forgiven of a lot. And when I read God's word, you know, I realize that my sin is not just no big deal. You know, when I read God's word, I realize that actually my sin deserves death. I deserve to die because of my sin because God is just so holy and I'm so wretched that my sin deserves death. And I realize my sin is so serious, God is so holy, that my relationship with God, guess what? It's shattered. I'm not just in a timeout, you know, with God. My relationship with God is shattered because of sin. But God, in His infinite love for me, He sees my sin and He does the unthinkable. It's amazing. Every other religion that you can think of, everybody has to earn their penance to their God or God's. In, in Christianity, the one true God, only He does something unthinkable, and that is what we're celebrating Christmas time, becomes a baby, lives the life that we could not live, and He dies the death that we deserve. He pays the price for my sin. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus said, I'll pay the bill. And that's what Jesus do, did. And the same is true for you today. You know, this is what we call the gospel, after all, it's the great exchange. Jesus' life was given so that we can experience forgiveness. That's why His life was given, so that we could be forgiven of our sin, of all the sin that separates us from God, the sin that has shattered our relationship to God. Jesus pays the price so that we can experience the forgiveness of sin. And it's available to you today. The Bible says it's a free gift. So as you're sitting here today and you're thinking about that big offense, you're thinking about... You know, that thing that happened to you. How can, I, how can we ever forgive something so big the way we've been forgiven of something so big? Now listen, it doesn't change at all what happened in the past. But it can change what God can do in the future. It doesn't change what happened to you, but it can change, with, it can change what God can do with you and through you for your future. So your next step here today, Barris, is going to let you know a little bit more about that in a second. But I, I hope that all, all of us can take this next step. If you turn your connection card to the back, and it's to begin to seek God to help us let go of our offenses. Life is too short, and your calling is too big to live a life offended. Let's pray. God, just thank you, Lord, especially with uh, such a, uh, a heavy topic, God. I pray that you would help us, Lord, because we've all... I've been offended and we all hold offenses, Lord, things that have happened to us. Some are, some are little, Lord, and some are, are, are greater offenses. So I just pray, God, you would help us to begin to release, not to rehearse it in our minds over and over, Lord, but that we may begin by God's grace to release it. And I thank you, God, because the greatest offense was forgiven through your son Jesus, was the forgiveness of my sin. And I thank you, God, that we can receive it as a free gift. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.